Well, uh, let's bring him out now. Okay, how about a nice hand? Let's bring him back now. Here's Brad. How you doing? So good to meet you. <laughs> it's kind of nervous on national TV, I know, but like, I wanted to ask, like, maybe, like, you know, you could be my girlfriend. Well, Brad, I have to tell you, I'm a man. I'll try anything once. <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and Ron. Yes, you listen to the Sick and Ron. The Sick and Ron, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. Hiya, I'm Kate Rambeau. Hi. Kate Rambeau, are you still gutted over the news about Jerry Springer? Yeah, I'm really sad. He's like one of my OG Wank Bank members. He's a spice daddy, and I'm on the loss of any spice daddy because we have so few of them left. You're very depressed this entire week. And, uh, I have, yeah, I've yeah. been definitely projecting feelings as well into Jerry Springer because Jerry Springer always reminded me of my dad. So for him to die so close to when my dad died of the same thing that killed my dad, it was it's very much like, oh, my God, I've not lost just my daddy. I've lost my daddy. More than I've a coincidence. That was his intent drunk dad then uh, when he died a decade ago this week, right? Yeah, uh, he was on the 28th and Jerry died. Was did Jerry die on the twenty seventh? Yeah, he died on Thursday, so the twenty seventh. Yes, so, so I'll be having to like mark the occasion every year to both of them now. So, which stage of grief are you currently in for Jerry? Are you in denial, anger, acceptance, bargaining? <laughs> I mean, acceptance. <laughs> You're an ex okay, so you've ex you've I was got in through anger the stages. Yesterday. Yeah, I was in anger yesterday. I'm moving through it very fast, but today I'm in ex a sad acceptance. Okay, yeah, I saw that. So you, yeah, you're angry. It went by pretty quick. Like, you're no longer depressed. You've accepted it. And I think that's why this episode is going to be somewhat cathartic for you. Be like therapy. Yeah, I'm going to get some emotions out. And I mean, I, I think especially maybe people of my generation, Jerry Springer was our dad. He was our daddy. And it is like, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a pill to swallow this one. So uh, people who... I guess I've been hiding in a cave and don't have access to the internet. Might not know that Jerry Springer, America's uh, the one-time mayor of Cincinnati and a news anchor, who's uh, who's whose program, the Jerry Springer Show, featured a three-ring circus of dysfunctional families um, willing to bear all every weekday, um, it, which included brawls, obscenities, and uh, blurred images of nudity. Sometimes shirts would come off. There'd be titties oh, yeah, sometimes. They would. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Springer died uh, this past Thursday at the age of 79 from pancreatic cancer. And it's, it is quite a tragedy. And Kate Rambo was gutted this whole week. Well, and, well, you're gutted this week about because it's a decade of your dad's death. But then also, to, 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 you know, the, the, the finale here is Jerry dies at the end of the week. So, yeah, it's been a, been a rough one. Um, but Jerry Springer, you know, at his peak, that show was a ratings powerhouse. And I think yeah. universally reviled... Um, by uh, intellects across this uh, across this country and critics. Yeah, I'm saying intellects in inverted yeah. quotes them because well, I critics. tell you what, fuck them. What do they know? 
Well, people just disparaged it as a, you know, trash TV. But you know what, though? Springer reveled in that. You know, he on yeah. his Twitter, he called himself talk show host, ringmaster of civilization's end. And he would also, <laughs> also say to people um, that he wished them never to be a guest on his show. Yeah, Which it's kind I of like good Jeremy timing. Kyle. You, you know you've reached the bottom of the barrel if somebody says, do you want to go on the Springer show? I'd be like, no, because you're going to tell me that you like are a tranny and you want to have sex with me. That's how it's going to end up. But I mean, you know, that's the thing. People, um, people that watch that show wanted to see the chair throwing. They wanted to see the swearing. Yeah. They wanted to see the, the yeah. people rushing the stage. Yes. It, was a, it was a guilty pleasure for Americans and uh, young English girls alike. Yeah, it was huge over here. Uh, Jerry Springer was special. It was huge. Everyone watched it. We used to talk about it in school. You know, it was on for 27 years and at one point even topped the Oprah Winfrey show, which is kind of remarkable if you think about Good. it. Good. She needs taken down a peg or two. <laughs> Her you fucking know, book club. I so. watched it, obviously. And I think my sister liked it. And uh, my brother actually was a guest in the audience one year because they, they filmed it in Chicago. Um, yeah. But uh, I was never really into it. I just I also wasn't into TV, reality TV, trash TV, talk shows. Oh, my God. Maury I Povich, love any trash of that bullshit. telly. The year 2000 as well, there was just so much good trash telly. There's like Rock of Love, all those MTV shows, Screen Queens, Madhouse. I loved Madhouse. I was fucking such a newlyweds fan. I loved the Ashley Simpson show, America's Next Top Model. I, I watched so much television that now I don't watch TV anymore. See, I was watching Herzog documentaries, okay? I didn't have time for Ugh. this trash. <laughs> <laughs> there is always you know, time for trash. I really, like, there was a period of years. It, it is funny when uh, we talk pop culture with people, especially your age. There's a period of years where I just didn't watch TV, only The Simpsons. And it was only on, like, VHS tapes because I just couldn't care less. I had no cable. Just didn't pay attention to it for, I would say... From 1995 to about 2012, I just didn't watch any TV. God, you missed out. You missed out on yeah. all the MTV shows is just what I'm thinking about. And then the, we had the Sci-Fi channel as well. Sci-Fi had a load of great shows. That's what Madhouse was shown on. In fact, yeah, Madhouse is on that. YouTube and I might binge that later on today. I mean, I watched film and I just watched The Simpsons. I just couldn't care less about television really during that period. I think it was The Sopranos. Jackass? CKY? I mean, I watched yeah, Sopranos I mean, as well. I remember watching the first ever episode of Sopranos. Yeah, the Sopranos, but I didn't watch Sopranos till like 2010 or 2011. Seriously? Like, yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I watched a couple episodes here and there, but then I think it was around 2010 when I started watching TV again. Because the thing is, I moved in with uh, my ex here in LA and she watched a lot of TV. And so then I just started watching it. I was like, oh shit, I totally missed out on some stuff. You know, I did. I watched The Wire at the time as well. Did you not watch The Wire when that I take that hit? back. Me and Wackerly used to watch The Wire. And yeah, we would watch uh, The Shield. Wackily loved The Shield. I couldn't get into The Shield, yeah. Oh, God, that, the show is so retarded. But Basically, after The Wire, my life changed, and I've never really been into television since then. We watched uh, Deadwood, too. I take that back. There's some shows that we'd watch. But, but yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing. I just wasn't, especially, I just wasn't really into um, daytime talk shows at all. However, if I was to watch one, it would be Springer because at least it's entertaining. And so like this past, you know, I've been looking for clips and things to play on the show and we're going to get into uh, some, the topic today is uh, related to Jerry Springer's life. But getting into it, I was like watching all these clips of these roasts. Like there's compilation, yeah. like 
I saw like 25 roasts where people in the audience are just roasting the guests on stage. It's like a segment at the end of Jerry's show with just people like seeing they're roasting them for their hair, their weaves, their clothing, their teeth. It was just, it's so American. That was always the best part of the show after the guests had come out and then the uh, the audience got to throw in their opinions. I loved it. And then they would just like slag each other off. It was brilliant. It's very Shakespearean. Well, Springer called his show Escapist Entertainment. It was a guilty pleasure. And I think it was a, an escapist uh, piece of media for people, especially like, you know, people that are completely removed from that segment of society. So it was a way for you to kind of gaze upon the dispossessed <laughs> the the antics of the white trash you know you get yeah. to you get to see them from afar whereas not actually you know being around them so i think it was kind of this like voyeuristic pleasure for a lot of people um but you know what the show had over four thousand episodes ended in 2018 uh due to a uh, lack of viewership but kind of but i mean jerry is much older at that point um but it never strayed from its core you know, themes. Uh, some of the uh, last episodes were stripper sex turned me straight, stop pimping my twin sister, and hooking up with my therapist. Yeah. That was some, some classic, some classic things. So a lot of people said, a lot of critics um, thought that this show contributed to a, a dumbing down decline in American social values, especially conservative critics. Ugh. Um, Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> but Springer offered a defense against this disgust. He said, look, and I totally agree with this. Television does not and must not create values. It's merely a picture of all that's out there. The good, the bad, the ugly. He said, you know, the politicians and companies seek to control what each of us you know, watch. Same with, you know, these, uh, these Internet companies. Um, but they're a far, a far greater danger to America and freedom than any of the guests on the Springer show could be. You yeah, know, these people are, are voluntarily going on that show to be ridiculed or humiliated. You know, that's what they're doing. They're, it's, it's fun for them. You know, or they think they're going to be famous from it. And Jerry knows a thing or two about politics and how the system works. Exactly. I mean, well, he was in politics. Um, that is until he got a prostitute. Um, before we get to that. Oh, no, though. he went back into politics. <laughs> oh, did he after he got the hooker? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, this, this week we're going to pay tribute to the king of trash TV and the indelible mark that Jerry Springer left on pop culture. Or uh, as the critics would say, the indelible, indelible mark he played in the decline of pop culture. Uh, but yep. before we get into all of that, let's chat about something almost as sordid as the Jerry Springer show. The Sick and Wrong Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, People, if you support indie podcrafting, you know, the, the indie shows out there, DIY radio, then... All we ask is you sign up for the Sick and Wrong Patreon and uh, support Sick and Wrong. I mean, it's the only way that we have we actually earn any money um, or anything from this show, and it does help us uh, pay for expenses for only a few bucks a month. It's literally five dollars a month. You get access to Sick and Wrong's second show. Uh, we do an entire bonus episode every week. Um, this week we chat about uh, Kate's upcoming gonorrhea exam at the U.S. Embassy. Yeah. Um, have you scheduled that yet? Yes. Oh, good. That's good. Um, and we get an update on my brother's eviction situation. Uh, it turned out a little bit different than I thought it would, than, than expected. And yeah, uh, much to Kate's chagrin, we cover a story about a Sunderland man who uh, caught a seagull and wanked on it. I then rate which birds I find the most attractive as well. Which birds you'd be willing to wank on. 
No, I wouldn't wank. I'm just saying which birds I think are the most attractive. In yeah, the bird so world. all that and more on the Sick and Wrong Second Show. That's only five bucks a month. And uh, also, we, you know, you don't even have to sign up for Patreon to get access to Second Show. You can go to Apple Podcasts now. So you can subscribe to Second Show on Apple Podcasts through your Apple app because uh, we have many ways to support uh, Sick and Wrong. Um, also, uh, for a few dollars more, you get access to the Sick and Wrong Overkill. Um, which is our bonus mini-sode that uh, Kate usually does every week, um, and access to Sick and Wrong Archives, first 10 years on SoundCloud playlists. All that available on the Patreon, patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Uh, we, we appreciate you uh, helping us keep this show going. Um, let's play this quick promo. We've got this great promo. And then, uh, yeah, let's chat about Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners, if you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. The guy was saying, like, you have people coming and going in your apartment every night, and I can hear it. I can hear everything you say. And Jess was like, oh. what are you talking about? And I guess Jeffrey said he was taking a shower with a couple guys. <laughs> Two nights ago, and he was just like, goes to the shower with a couple of my friends. And we're taking a long shower, like, you know, like we do. And he was just like, and the guy, he's like, the guy was really upset because he said the whole basement was being flooded from our shower. And when I told him that, uh, I was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He was like, I can hear every word you say. For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. Don't you ever... So recently, a high pope of trash and all-round spice daddy, Jerry Springer, he bit the dust at the grand old age of 79, and as well as basically inventing train wreck TV, he actually packed a lot into those 79 years on this godforsaken blue rock. His parents were Jewish refugees who had escaped from Landsberg auf der Wharf, which is now Gorzo Velpolska, which is obviously full of Dobrachoveks and Korbietas. And I would love to visit there as soon as Putin's stranglehold on the Ukraine is lessened or tightened. You know, it's 50-50 at this point. Who cares? Who cares about the war in Ukraine anymore, right? <laughs> His maternal grandmother, Marie Kalman, who had tried to escape to America. She'd failed. She never made it out alive. She was one of the earliest victims of the Holocaust, death by carbon monoxide poisoning in one of the portable gas trucks in the Chelmno camp. So the gas vans, which are actually invented by the Soviets, are kind of more terrifying than the Zykon Blee showers. They look like something that could be in Flash Gordon. You would have been stripped naked, your mouth gagged before they just chucked you in the back of them. How many people could fit in one of these uh, gas vans? Nowhere near as much in the showers. I think like 30. Oh, 30 in a van? 30 in a van, yeah. How many in the showers? Oh, you could get like up to 300 people in the showers. That's why they were so snappy. Right, so him took this idea of the gas van and uh, he pumped it full of gasoline. And it was all because of the psychological impact of shooting women and children. You know, it was stressing out his Einsatzgruppen troops and they were all going off on the sick. So that's basically why the showers were invented. Oh, poor guys. I feel so bad for their... their, Hey, you know, they're just carrying out orders. They're just carrying out orders. At the yeah, end the they, they weren't at fault at all. Poor guys and their troubled psyches. Aw. 
gas vans were the main method of execution at the Chelmno camp until the gas chambers were developed. But death in the gas vans was really slow. You would have people gasping for oxygen for up to 20 minutes. And even though the vans kind of look like essentially blacked out school buses, they would still have a driver who's sitting there pushing their foot to the floor and they're going nowhere fast. And they're sitting there hearing the screams until the silence was deafening. Only, so a, German, only a German could do that job. I don't know. I think the Japanese and the Chinese would uh, be pretty good at doing it too. They were vicious in World War II. Yeah, maybe actually, maybe the Japanese could. They they remember Unit Seven Thirty One. Yeah, that was yeah. based in China, but it was oh, that Japanese, was in China, yeah. but it was Japanese. I yeah, mean, the so. Pacific theater was just yeah. brutal. So you never thought I would squeeze some Nazis into this story, but I did. So uh, way to go, me finding the Nazis anywhere <laughs> I go. I am impressed. His paternal grandmother was Selma Springer. She died in the Jewish ghetto uh, Theresienstadt, which is just outside of Prague, where most re- residents are. They're eventually going to meet their fate in Auschwitz. Jerry's parents, um, so his mother is Margot Kalman. She was a bank clerk. And his father, Richard Springer, he was a successful businessman who owned a few shoe shops before they found themselves in war-torn London. Jerry said that when he was researching his family history that my parents got out just four weeks before the war started and based on the number at the top of their document, they were amongst the last 100 Jews to leave Germany. There was a name written on the card of their sponsor, someone called Goldberg. They didn't know this person. They were probably just a member of the agency signing these to get as many Jews out as possible. But basically, these people saved my parents' lives and my sister, who was born a month later. Without them, I wouldn't have been born either. These people reached out to us even though they didn't know who we were. So there's a lot of unsung heroes who we'll never know about from World War II. Definitely. Gerald Norman Springer, love it, born in Highgate Underground Station on February the 13th, 1944. So he's an Aquarian and a very early Valentine's Day present. Was, uh, he was born in this because a lot of the underground stations were being used as bomb shelters at the time. So he grew up to be a London lad growing up on a Shandos Road in East Finchley until 49 when his parents immigrated to New York and they settled in Kew Gardens in Queens. So along with his sister Evelyn, the family lived in a small four-room apartment and one of his earliest memories was when he was 12 was watching the 1956 Democratic Convention on television and he saw JFK give a speech. Maybe this is what sparked his ultimate interest in politics because he's going to earn a BA degree from Tulane University in Louisiana in 1965 where he majored in political science and he then went on to earn a Juris Doctor, which is like a graduate entry professional degree in law, from Northwestern in 1968. So he's not fucking dumb. He's oh no, smart. definitely not. No, a very intelligent guy. It's weird that he would go to Tulane after growing up in New York. Maybe there was only so many places giving doing political science at the time. Or, or maybe that's all he could or afford. Scholarship or scholarship, or something. Yeah. yeah. That same year, when he was twenty-five, he went on to work on the presidential campaign of Robert F. Kennedy. Although this is obviously going to be brief, as Bobby is going to meet <laughs> yeah. his end of a sharp knife by Sirhan Sirhan in Los Angeles on June the fifth of the same year. And this moment changed Jerry's life because he had looked up to Robert like a lot of America did at the time, uh, you know, because Robert Kennedy was a hero and he was a social justice warrior. Can you remember when that actually used to be a good thing? That's what Robert Kennedy represented. (laughs) Jerry said, I knew early on that I would do politics, but I would never make a living at it. I would do something else. I'm going to do trash TV. That's my, my lifelong ambition. 
Well, not yet. He bounced into working for a Cincinnati law firm, Frost and Jacobs, but he still had a, a political itch. And in 1970, he ran for the House of Representatives as a Democrat. But only after three days after announcing his candidacy as a reserve soldier, he was called up to Fort Knox in Texas for three months. So he, he went off and did his soldier thing. And when he returned, he upped the ante in his campaign and he won 44% of the votes in the general election. Not enough mm. to get on the, uh, you know, the candidacy, but he did it like in a very short amount of time. That's impressive. He's very affable. A year later, he ran for Cincinnati City Council and he won. And his new job title was vice mayor. He's 30 years old. His political career was about to hit some sexy speed bumps because he was forced to resign from his position after a police raid in a Kentucky massage parlor uncovered some bounced checks in his name. <laughs> Jerry. I love how he, he paid for a hooker with a check. That's well, such I mean, this, Jerry Springer. That's, yeah, that's but, perfect. It was the 70s though, but the fact that he knew they were gonna bounce, <laughs> I think says it all. It just, yeah, it amazes me that you, would, you wouldn't just make this like a, you know, a, a cash transaction. It's like, what hooker takes a check? Back in those days, it was a massage parlor with a happy ending uh, for those who just think <laughs> he was getting a back rub. At his press conference when he had resigned the day after, he said, when I resigned yesterday, I did so because I believed then, as I believe now, that there are some problems which are better faced as a private citizens. <laughs> Good for him. He later testified at the trial of three men accused of operating the Kentucky health club where springer had admitted to visiting twice for sex on the stand he said he wrote two checks in the amount of 25 dollars and 50 dollars in exchange for sex <laughs> just 50 bucks and he but didn't have that in cash so that was probably like a hundred dollars yeah of course he didn't he's a politician he's a junior politician they got no cash but he's an Aquarian, though. He's young. He's very good-looking. He's affable. He has really nice hair. He has really kissy lips. And the public liked his honesty towards the situation. And he was re-elected in 75. And eventually, he became mayor in 77. And he actually used this scandal to promote his campaign. So in an advert in his campaign ad in the New York Times, it read, Nine years ago, I spent time with a woman I shouldn't have. And I paid her with a check. I wish I hadn't done that. And the truth... Is, I wish no one would ever know. But in the rough world of politics, opponents are not about to let personal embarrassments lay to rest. So he's embracing it and making it part of his campaign. Good yeah, for Trump him. should do that, actually. Rather than deny <laughs> everything and lie about it, he should just go with it and be like, yeah, sure. Had a few affairs. You know, hired a, you know, banged a couple porn stars. Sorry. It reminded me of Clinton because, you know, everyone liked Clinton a lot more after it kind of came out, the whole Monica Lewinsky thing. And he was like, OK, I did. I did fucking do it. And everyone was like, we well, don't blame you, mate. She's hot. Well, it was funny because you had the people like uh, that conservative outrage, like the pearl clutchers, like Ken Starr and all these people. Like, oh, my God, Republicans, I can't believe it. But then a lot of the Dems were like, fuck, yeah, getting some boss in the White House. Yeah, my man. Getting people... your blowjobs. <laughs> Why not? They're all up to it. Everyone is. So although his political career is never going to really take him to lofty heights, it's obviously going to make him relaxed when speaking to large groups of people. And it showed to him that people liked him. So he's going to step down and he's going to retrain for the next part of his life, which is working as a journalist for NBC's affiliate WLWT. And this, this is the start of the rest is history. 
He rose through the ranks and he became the primary news anchor and the managing editor, and he's crazy successful. He wins 10 local Emmys for his work. The Jerry Springer Show, which you said it ran for 27 seasons, ended in 2018, started in 1991, based in Chicago. Jerry said, I don't live in Hollywood. I don't have celebrities as friends. I like them, but I don't pal around with them. I just live in the Midwest. It's a real normal world. The show actually began as a typical hard news show, and it was cancelled because everyone said that it was too serious <laughs> before it evolved to be the trashy king of like daytime TV, showing the best and worst of American life with over 4,000 episodes put to film. Like you said before, title episodes such as Stripper Sex, Turn Be Straight, Stop Pimping My Twin Sister. <laughs> Love that one. Them. Yeah, and I Married a Horse. <laughs> kept Classic. The public, kept the public gripped for the juicy gossip and car crash atmosphere where his guests and audience members yell and scream at each other and where laughing at someone else's pain is entirely encouraged. So it was a Too Hot for TV video, which was released in 1997, that I owned and I watched the shit out of that really cemented his legacy and ultimately drew out the straight and boring and won't somebody think of the children crowd. Of course, the show never set out to be the most outrageous talk show of all time, but it was often white trash guests that made it outrageous. The guests are usually not nice, formal people, but there's an American charm to them that we warm to, and ultimately it all works because we all love Jerry and his moral message of take care of yourselves and each other, which bookends the episodes as though, like, you know, we may have discussed, discussed rapes, Nazis, secret transsexual lovers, Life isn't all that serious, right? You've just got to look out for each other. I do love I like his it. closing words. They were always so uh, well written. And yeah, you could definitely see his past in politics during his uh, Jerry's final four. It always reminded me of the rabbi because the rabbi would do like, you know, a whole service, a sermon, all that. And at the very end, just his few closing words before he let everyone yeah. leave. It's kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, Jerry would just sum up the episode. Yeah, he was great at it and had some great writers working on the show. Jerry famously didn't watch the show saying, I create a persona for the show and that's what it is. I'm an act. I'm an actor playing a role. Exactly. He's real ill in... Yeah, but the, he's still the... Jerry. No, I understand he's playing this character, but yeah, it's like it's similar to me. Like I don't really listen to podcasts, but I also never really watched the show because it was just, I don't know, just couldn't get into it. And I think a lot of it was contrived, too. Oh, yeah, certainly. But some of it certainly wasn't as well. No. Some of his it real was interest was always in politics, even up until the end, despite his numerous cameo roles in TV and film, including my favorite cameo in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged oh, Me. I forgot about that. Totally yeah. forgot he was in that. <laughs> With Dr. Evil and uh, Seth yeah. Green. <laughs> And uh, he's also immortalized in Simpsons Law, so oh, yeah. that's how you know he's super famous. In 2011, when he was being interviewed about the impact of the show, he said, With all the joking I do with the show, I'm fully aware, and I thank God every day that my life has taken this incredible turn because of this silly show. So yeah, on April the 27th, uh, at the age of 79, after a swift death flow of pancreatic cancer, Jerry Springer died peacefully in his home in suburban Chicago. He is survived by his daughter, Katie... See, he's got a daughter called Katie and I'm Kate. This is another, like, uh, projecting my feelings. And his sister, Evelyn. And they issued a statement to the press and they ended it in his immortal words, take care of yourselves and each other. 
Oh, it would bring a tear to a glass eye, do. Come on. How many, uh, it would. How many wives did he have? Just the one, and they divorced, like, after 20 years. He never remarried? Never remarried. Interesting. Um, But, yeah, you know, I mean, Jerry Springer had a lot of salacious uh, shows, a lot of episodes with uh, salacious titles. Um, We mentioned a couple, but... One thing I've noticed with a lot of Jerry's shows, like one of his bits was this, the whole thing of like a guy, you know, meets a girl online, talking to this <laughs> girl, this girl shows, yeah. yeah, or MySpace shows up with some flowers. Turns out she's, you know, trans, and then yeah, the whole audience be like, boo! But I mean, he had a lot of, <laughs> but he had a lot of trans people on the show. He did, you know, probably and he more than anyone else. Yeah, yeah he, more uh, than anyone else at that time. And a lot of the time. It, I always thought, like, yeah, I loved the Maury Povich episodes where it would be like, let's get out all the goth kids and the club kids and give them makeovers. I enjoyed watching them, but I don't ever feel that Jerry Springer was disparaging of these people or their lives. He'd be like, here you go. Here's somebody who married their horse. You can choose to mock them, but Jerry Springer himself isn't mocking them. Although you know, sometimes he, was, he would have catty remarks. Yeah, he was very objective, but sometimes he would weigh in with a few... Um finely pointed remarks but i do remember one episode where he confronted a, a holocaust denier the guy was like a, a like a minister or something he, he was wearing like uh he, he was like an anti-semitic priest Did you ever see that one he's wearing like yeah. the collar and everything and uh he told the guy he's like i don't hate you i feel sorry for you and when the guy was trying to deny that six million people died he just looked at him and goes shut your face and the guy like got the priest got up in his face and security had to like pull the guy back yeah he had loads of classics. I loved um, the Pete Steele episode, obviously. It was Oh, God. <laughs> he had Gigi Allen, Justin Pearson from The Locust. That was one of the best. Oh, that was the best because The Locust actually scammed the show and yeah. did it so they would get a record deal. It's fucking good for them. And obviously Guaron, too. Like, yeah, Guaron. Do um, uh, uh, you remember this episode with Annabelle Chong, the 22-year-old porn actor who yeah. took part in the world's biggest gangbang? 251 men in 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember the audience comments from that were amazing. It's amazing. Um, what about Zach, the 70-pound baby? <laughs> Wackily <laughs> has entered the chat. <laughs> but one of my favorite episodes is going to lead us into our, uh, like our segue into the topic of this week. Is uh, this, It happened in the 16th season of the show, so it's a later season. But this woman uh, named Sandra went on the show and she told Jerry that she cut off her own legs with a saw. Like she amputated her legs herself with a saw six years ago because she just decided she didn't want her legs anymore. You know what it was? You know what I'm thinking of? You know that scene in kids when they're in the met- when they're in the I metro and no the legs. guys on the skate have no legs. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real thing. Yeah, that's I know that was real, yeah. but that's I'm thinking of. And not only that, not only was Sandra, you know, a, a, a self-imposed amputee, she was also a 48-year-old transgender wheel, uh, wheelchair user. So, you know, this wow. woman was really transgender. herself there. And she became transgender at 35 and then decided she didn't want her legs anymore. So uh, l- let me play a clip here. Yeah, but I couldn't cut that off. <laughs> what kind of things have you done to get your legs? Uh, uh, I've injected my knee with uh, my feces, 120 cc's under my kneecap, just <laughs> liquefied, puffing in. Uh, I've cut myself with razor blades. I've drove nails in the bone. My brain would just say, get a 16-penny nail and a hammer and drive it in the bone, and I just drive it in the bone. 
I built the guillotine and dropped it on my leg. That didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, go back to the drawing board. I got to figure out something else. I... <laughs> it's pathological. I remember, like, the first time I ever heard about people, like, wanting to cut off, like, their arms and their toes and stuff like that was in Bizarre Magazine. Because they had this really hot fetish model in the front who had a leg amputated. But she talked about how... Because she was like not a flamidamide baby, but she was born with it underdeveloped. And when she her fantasies when she was a kid was just chopping it off. And when she got to eighteen, she just had it removed. You know, some people you know have like bone cancer or something and have to get like an appendage removed. Um, yeah. th- this woman sounds like she had a deformity, and so she wanted to get. She felt like it would make her yeah, feel better, you know, to, to or more attractive or something. To uh, there's a to compelling have it urge, isn't it? To be like, I'm going to, I want my leg off no matter what, so I'm going to inject. Like, injecting shit into your kneecap, mate, that's going to give you septicemia into sepsis. That's going to kill you. It's not just going to kill your leg. It will kill your heart and your brain. But maybe you need a bit of that. <laughs> well, natural yeah, selection. there's a term for it. These people are called transabled. So, okay. you know, you get transgender, transracial, and transabled. Um, but the actual thing? medical term is BIID, which is um, body integrity identity disorder. So, so it's, it's like, like an extreme version of dysmorphia. Yeah, I was about to say. It's like the next level up from that, where dysmorphia yeah, well, that's the, might lead to. That's the thing. Sandra here, this, this transgender woman, was saying, my brain just kept saying, get rid of them. Get rid of them. That's all I could think of is get rid of my legs. And she had, you know, obviously tried to do a number of uh, number of um, things to try to get rid of her legs and eventually had them amputated. Uh, what she did is infected them to the point where doctors had to amputate her limbs. Um, and later oh. on the show, Springer brought out a guy named Kenny, who was a man born without legs, who, you know, attacked her and lambasted her for her ungratefulness. <laughs> it would have been so- amazing if they had wheelchair walls. <laughs> Springer, you know, faced uh, repeated criticism for exploiting vulnerable trans people on his shows. You know, I mean, um, obviously this person, but also like, you know, transgender people in in general, because he'd usually do that reveal, um, which he knew would incite the crowd. But he said, and this is true, he's somebody who gave transgender Americans more exposure than anywhere else in entertainment at that time. Yeah, and it's not like they knew what they were signing up for. They'd seen an episode of Jerry Springer. Like, it wasn't yeah. like, if somebody turns around to you that you've just met on MySpace and say and says, hey, for the first time we meet, should it be on the Jerry Springer show? I think you, you would know how that's going to go down. For sure. I mean, the, the show has a reputation. And exactly. you, know what, you know what you're in for. You know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get roasted by the audience. I think it's all part of the fun or exposure, and whatever it is that you're looking for. There's that iconic guy who's like, I'll try anything once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love him. He's one of my favorites. So transableism, or the medical term body integrity identity disorder, BIID, it's a rare condition that's characterized by an overwhelming desire to amputate one or more healthy limbs so that you could become paraplegic. It's odd. <laughs> like, I don't know why you'd want to make your life more difficult. Um, but a lot of these people, you know, they, they keep this compulsion a secret. And you wouldn't even know about it because, I mean, and there's not a, I mean, there's not many doctors, especially in this country or your country, that would be willing to indulge these people, you know, with, uh, with amputating yeah. a healthy limb. 
Uh, in but Germany, there are though definitely. <laughs> they've but in recent years they've found solace with um, you know online communities like transable.org and different communities where you know there's a, a movement where people can talk about this with each other. So they feel like they're imposters in their fully working body. So people who suffer from BIID, um, they they experience a chronic nagging sense that their body just isn't right. Their body's not complete. And so um, one of the persons said that, uh, you know, he felt overcomplete with two legs. So he'd feel fine with just one. Okay. Wouldn't you, though, like, if you cut it off, you have to go the pirate route, I feel, if you cut off a leg. And there are, there's, um, you know, stories of people who, like, in the early 1930s, a guy had his leg um, sliced off with a guillotine so he could get a peg. Because he thought it looked cooler. Yeah. It does look cooler. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, what like you think about the the veterans who went to like Afghanistan and uh, or Iraq and stepped on uh, an explosive device and blew off their limbs. I'm sure they're not they're not like, "Oh, I feel complete now." Yeah, no. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a, a brain disorder. Well, um, or psychosis. Body dysmorphia is a is a extreme body dysmorphia. Disorder. And yeah. not only just amputating a limb, some people want to be deaf or blind as well. <gasps> oh my God! Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, That's it's really it's bad. a it's a strong desire, and you know there there hasn't really been any support from the scientific community. I mean, if you think about it, just to kind of relate it to being transgendered, you know, in the seventies, people were like, you know, if you said you're transgendered, you're having a gender identity disorder. That was like in the the DSM. You know, that was considered a psychological condition. Yeah. You know, and uh, but then, you know, over the over the years, it's become more acceptable and people are, you know, like gender reassignment surgery is something that doctors will do. I think although now there's definitely a pushback in the uh, conservative community against it, but it is it is a, a surgery that you can seek out and you can get. And people are thinking, especially these, you know, the transabled are thinking the same thing's going to happen with them. What's funny, though, is like obviously the uh, the trans community is so small. What is it like? One percent of the population is trans. So transabled, there must be like what? Even smaller. Five of them. <laughs> yeah, well, no, there's more so than that. These, but I know. But if these five people all want to chop off their arms or their legs for whatever reason, is it not written into the constitution that they can do that? Well, technically, I don't think a doctor could do that. Considering their oh yeah because oath. of the Hippocratic oath yeah. right yeah I get um, it oh shit they're in a catch twenty two then I'm pretty sure I could build a guillotine that would knock I feel like well, I a could lot of, a lot of people have but I mean you're risking your life you know people I I read a story about a guy went to Mexico to get it done <gasps> by a, a home surgeon like this guy like operated did surgery no, out of no, his house no, no, no. chopped his leg off he had gangrene and he ended up dying from it from the infection so I mean you do I mean it's it's risky to do something like this. So at first glance, you, you, you immediately discount transableism as something that's like a psychological disorder. But people feel, scientists are looking into it, thinks that it might be linked to a physical difference in this person's brain. So right, yeah. in the 70s, BIID was identified as a form of paraphilia. Um, so it's like a psychological disorder. And they thought... Uh, in a sexual psychological disorder. They thought people who suffered BIID had abnormal sexual desires towards amputees. So there was a term called acrotomophilia, which is the paraphilia which expresses a strong sexual interest in people who have amputated limbs. 
Um, it's a counterpart to apo- ap- apotemnophilia. It's hard to say these words, which is the desire, not necessarily sexual, but it's a desire to become an amputee. You know the film Crash with James Spader that I used to wank to all the time? This is that's, like that's kind of similar. This is what it's... this is all it's about. I'm surprised I haven't grown up with like a really weird niche fetish. Considering how much I wanked to that movie when I was 15. Well, do you ever look at an amputee stump and see it as a phallic object, which could be used for sexual pleasure? No, but I have always thought if I loved somebody deeply inherently enough, and they had like one leg or one arm, I would totally embrace the stump life. Wouldn't so, but you? would you would you allow would you be penetrated by the stump? Like, would you be into stumping? Eventually, I would probably, you know, what I would, yeah, I would probably be like this one night you get in drunk, you're fooling around, the candles are lit, there's some Marvin Gaye on, and I'd be like, go on, just try, try and stick your stump in my pussy, go on, you just know what I mean? it that's up, how, baby. how it starts, just leave it up, let's give it a go. But that's how it starts, isn't it? And then before you know it, every special occasion, it'll be like, are you gonna stump me later? And it will be your running joke. I think it's a stepping stone. Next thing you know, you're gonna be getting fucked by a horse. Oh, really? (laughs) That's a a bit of a difference, Steve. So, acrotomophiles may enjoy the idea of dominating an amputee during couples play, and they may become aroused just even by the thought of having to take care of an amputee. So that was like Stephen Hawking's nurse who used to beat him then? Well, we did an episode, me and Harrison did an episode on people who um, have a sexual attraction to like people with handicapped you know or disabled people like that that paraphilia um but no, i don't think we've ever done an episode of people who willingly seek out the amputation of a limb so yeah, it'd be interesting to find somebody who's into that yeah so this theory that uh that it's not entirely psychological and might be uh, linked to physical difference in the brain was first proposed by a psychiatrist named uh dr michael first and uh he um <clears throat> so he he and another doctor named Paul McGeech, who's a neurologist at the University of San Diego, were looking into the question whether BID is a mental illness or a hardwired identity. And they say that those who who uh, identify as having BID um, say that safe and legal surgery to become a paraplegic is the only solution for their problem. There's no therapy you can do. There's no counseling yeah, you yeah. can get. You have to have an amputation. So, I mean, I would, I would think, and they often do this with gender reassignment surgery. Like you have to go to a, a counselor or a therapist and discuss it first before you, they're willing to go down that route. And I imagine the same thing should be happening with the transabled. Like, I think you I should get some counseling to. before deciding to like, you know, build up, build a guillotine I mean, to cut you, your limbs you off. You should get a fucking shitload of counseling before you do that. So there's no estimate though of how many people have this condition. Although transabled.org claims 1,500 visitors per day. Yeah. And there's a Yahoo group you probably called, went uh, on that today. B- well, I go there for the lulls. But there's a <laughs> Yahoo group um, <laughs> called BIID, and they, um, they have about 1,700 members who discuss you know, their, their um, passion for cutting off their limbs. And you're, you're just... going to be surprised by the demographic here. Who do you think comprises this group of uh, BID patients? Like, who do you think suffers from this condition? Well, you see, this is what I'm thinking. I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, people have to put it up on the, the porn and gross channel on the Discord. But there was this girl 
who hated her legs so much that she basically, is it like Kelly's journey or something like that? She documented all these apparently sores that came out of nowhere on her legs to the point that they had to amputate her legs. And she was a former ballerina. So even though it feels like it would affect more males, body dysmorphia is definitely a female thing. Like more affects females more. So I'm going to say maybe it affects chicks more. White middle-aged males. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they they refute the idea that this disorder can be treated like a mental illness with like therapy and medication. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Instead of going to a counselor, they're just like, no, just chop it off. Just chop yeah. it off, lads. That'll solve all my problems. They say <laughs> amputation or paralysis is the only way to, uh, to, to resolve this condition. Because we'll let them then. the urge to right themselves is so overwhelming that it's not, you can't do this mentally. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, Sean O'Connor here, who actually runs the website translatable.org, says nothing touches it other than surgery. Psychotherapy doesn't work. Psychiatry doesn't work. Medication doesn't work. He said, I'm a, I'm a typical example of someone who's attempted a number of ways to address the problem. Done years of therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, nothing works. Um, he identifies as someone with BIID, and he uses a wheelchair, but he's ne- he hasn't actually taken the final step of amputating his legs. So he's he's able-bodied. He can walk around, but he voluntarily uses a wheelchair. Oh, my God. Why? It's a bit yeah. insulting. <laughs> well, I think a lot of actual disabled people are insulted by it. Um, so Dr. First who, uh, along with uh, Dr. McGeech here, have been looking into the origin, the psychological origin of of this condition, Um, first conducted a a study of 52 people who identified as amputee wannabes. Um, And he found out that they were far from psychotic. He said, you almost have to see it to believe it. You know, these people say, every minute of my life, I feel like there's something wrong with me. And it doesn't impair their ability to relate to other people. They're completely in touch of, with reality and their mental faculties. It's just they, they feel, it's almost like, you know, people who uh, have a gender identity disorder. They don't feel secure in their, in their body. Yeah, yeah. It's just an extreme version of that. But it doesn't so, mean you're psychotic. There's a, a great documentary I found online. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's called Whole. It's a 2004 documentary, and uh, this woman, Melody Gilbert, interviews a lot of these BID sufferers who have taken extreme and dangerous measures to amputate themselves. Um, this guy Carl here is probably the most famous anonymous amputee on the, on the internet. Um, he had his uh, legs surreptitiously amputated. He sat in a parked car with 100 pounds of dry ice packed on his legs for six hours. <gasps> hours until his legs had passed the point of saving and doctors in the emergency room like had no choice but to amputate them i cannot imagine the pain of that (laughs) it's it's mental if you think i mean it's insane wow i mean just let them do it if they don't want their legs well it's finding a doctor that can do it and since they can't they're going to these extreme measures but dry ice for six hours like freezing off your limbs is what this guy did the pain of that must have just been excruciating There's a man who goes by the name of One Hand Jason who spent months preparing to sever his hand from his body because he said it just didn't make make sense. His left hand. He said it didn't make sense that his left hand was there. So he used a very sharp power tool, a buzzsaw, to do the job, and he made his friends and family think that it was an accident. Oh, 
one-handed Jason. Right? Yeah, so one-handed well, Jason. Well, obviously he's not cutting off his wanking hand, does he? No, so I'm, I'm, I think he's right-handed here. He said his goal was to get the job done with no hope of reconstruction or reattachment, and he wanted a method that he could actually do himself. Um, this is interesting. So there's a North Carolina woman here who blinded herself. So uh, her name is Jewel Shooping, and uh, you know she actually ended up um, getting help from a psychologist who was a friend of hers to help her blind herself with drain cleaner. You know what I would do if I what's she called Jules? I would be like when I was meeting new people, I'd be like, "Yes, my name's Jules, not Julie, because there's no I in Jules." <laughs> she probably could. <laughs> um, she said, uh, "I really feel this way." This is how I was supposed to be born and that I should have been blind from birth. And when there's nobody around you who feels the same way, you start to think you're crazy, but I'm not crazy. I have a yeah, psychological think... disorder. Yeah, which means you're a bit crazy, love. <laughs> because you have a psychological disorder, it means you're a bit crazy. But could you imagine dating someone like that? It's like, no, you're not fucking blind. Like, you're Jeez, not. I would... I must say that one of my favorite people in this whole world is that woman who pretended she was who pretended she was blind so she would never have to say to, hello to anybody when she met them in the street. She's an icon. Now that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a guy Bobby here who's born with perfect eyesight. Also felt he should be blind. He always wanted to be visually impaired. Don't know why, but he always wanted to. And so he adopted this lifestyle, and the term is called blind simming. Blind simming which means simulating blindness. And so he would do this, he would obstruct his own vision so he could have uh, be visually impaired. And so what he would do is he'd wear glasses over contacts to make his vision really blurred. So that would make him feel better. And it wasn't until he reached his 20s that uh, he really started getting into it. So he would experiment with different, very like strong prescription glasses that would distort his vision so he couldn't even cross a street without watching the back of the person in front of him. Then he started wearing an occluder, which was an eye patch made of plastic, often used to fix children's lazy eyes. So he would wear Just that for fun. around. Yeah. <laughs> As somebody with like, I'm not particularly that short-sighted, but I have astigmatism. And like one of my fears is that they'll say, yes, we can, we're going to put the eye patch on you and I'll have the eye patch. Because they're well, not attractive eye, eye patches. They're not snake pliskin sexy eye patches. They're like the medical ones. He said the blind simming stopped when he moved in with his current partner, who he said doesn't understand his strange desires. Well, he obviously doesn't have a huge psychological thing going on in his brain then because he can stop when he knows that others are derisive to it, right? Well, if he that's can just stop at will. He's not pouring bleach in his eyes. No, He's just taking measures definitely... to be visually impaired. And there's a whole blind simming community out there, oh, no. of course. Of course there is. Yeah, like where 10 they, of them, though. Where they swap <laughs> tips. They write fan fiction. They share Photoshop photos of celebrities wearing thick glasses. So there's a picture of Brad Pitt with really thick glasses that you know these girls or men are masturbating to. But that seems more to be like a glasses fetish to me doesn't it? Well, I think it's just someone who's visually impaired. And they, they even help each other calculate like vertex distance and effective power on the cornea. So, and then they come up with different ways to induce myopia. You know, and, and then they, um, they, they have 
equations concerning prescription strengths, and they talk about hospitals in Tijuana that are willing to remove their eyes' crystalline lenses, which is the transparent bit uh, behind your iris that helps you focus on objects at different distances. Isn't that please. insane? Could you imagine doing that? My advice to anyone is don't go to Mexico to get surgery at any point for anything ever. Why would just don't do it, please? I can't even think about LASIK. I'm not. I'm a specky Becky, and I'm just going to put up with wearing contacts and the annoyance of it. I just can't imagine. I just don't think it's worth it. But I mean, to to willingly go to Jalisco, Mexico, or Tijuana to a random doctor there to have your perfectly healthy lens removed from your eye. Yeah, it's like mutilating yourself, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, it's car. Another guy, 2001, George Boyer, um, just decided he was sick of having his leg, and so he just took a shotgun and just shot his leg off dressed above the knee. That, that's a, an effective way to do it, I think. Rather than getting all like, I'm going to build a guillotine that you know is solar-powered and it will drop down at sunrise and I'll sit in the garden overnight drinking beer so I won't feel pain when it happens. It's like, nah, just go into the garage and be done with it. Just yeah, but the thing shotgun. is, though... The guillotine, hopefully, if built right, would probably cut your leg clean off. This didn't. His knee was <laughs> shattered. His leg was just in pieces. And so doctors were like, well, we're going to try to replace your knee and add a prosthetic limb. And he's like, no, just amputate. I want a peg leg. Yeah. But so that's the thing. It's like, it, it's mind-blowing to think about this, especially like as a doctor, as a medical, you know, a trained medical professional. If someone's coming to you, and saying like, yeah, my perfectly normal, healthy limb, I don't feel comfortable having it. Can you remove it? Like, could you imagine having that question? And so, you know, there's uh, only like a couple doctors, especially in, you know, in the, in the Western world, who've ever performed this type of amputation. So in German? one widely publicized case, there's a doctor named in Scotland named Dr. Robert C. Smith. Um, and he's a surgeon at Scotland's Falkirk and District Royal Infirmary, who in January 2000 amputated the legs of two patients with um, body integrity identity disorder. Okay. Each no one patient- cares about Falkirk, though. I mean, it's all the way tucked up up there. It's a shithole, Falkirk. So, you know, if the residents want to be legless in more ways than one, let them. <laughs> well, the surgery involved the NHS, but the patients paid $6,000 for the procedure. But the NHS, oh, performed on the NHS, but they paid for it. Okay, they yeah, paid for it happens. anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Six and grand seems a bit cheap to me. Doesn't that seem a bit cheap? Six grand. Yeah, I think yeah. it's actually kind of a deal, but that was like two thousand. You know. Yeah, it's probably not six grand. It's probably like twenty grand nowadays. Well, the decision to remove the limbs was thought to be based on obsessive and psychotic desires for self mutilation, and it opposed the principle of non maleficence, which is do no harm, since amputations bear other risks you know, such as necrosis and infections. And so Dr. Smith said that, you know, by preventing his patients from pursuing more life-threatening alternatives, he was following the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. He was actually helping them out. But the hospital was just like, no, no, definitely not. Was he struck off then? Oh, yeah. He was prevented from doing any further surgeries, lost his license. We should try and find him, get him on the show. It'd be interesting to, to see what happened. Maybe he's going underground. And, uh, you know, living in a caravan, chopping people's limbs off. That would be the way the League of Gentlemen would put it. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, Dr. Smith faced uh, huge criticism from members of the public as well as the medical society as a result of these operations. But he maintained that surgery was the only redress for people suffering from BIID. And therefore, therefore, he felt he made the right decision. But you know what, though? The first case of transableism was reported in the 18th century, where an unknown Englishman, why is it always the English? Why? I don't we're, get it. We're the first to do all the best things. Stop being jealous of us. Well, he held a French surgeon up at gunpoint and forced him against his will to amputate his perfectly healthy and functioning right leg. Oh, why did and, he hate his right leg? I don't know. And so he uh, had it removed. And then later, uh, the surgeon received a large amount of money from this Englishman with a letter thanking him for removing a limb, which put an, an invincible obstacle to his happiness. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do it, Frenchie. Cut my fucking right leg off. No, sir. <laughs> I shall not do it. That's how they, it went. You know, um, BIID sufferers have found um, surgeons in uh, Asia who are willing to, to do the operation. So there's a guy, Alex, who at 60 years old, suffered his whole life um, you know, with uh, having two legs, felt he only needed one. And uh, he found a doctor in um, China who is, uh, who is willing to do the operation for $10,000. He said his only re- the only regret is that he didn't do it 30 years ago. Lesson. So he lived, you know, for uh, 60 years having two limbs. He said, there isn't a single one of us that enjoys having this condition. Like, we're all trying to figure out how we got it and how to get rid of it. It's mental torture. And the only way I was able to get rid of this torture was by getting surgery. So, I mean, uh, you think about it and it's like, okay, I guess I, I, kind, of un- I kind of have empathy for these people. But as a doctor, I don't see how you could ethically remove someone's healthy limb. Yeah. But, it's a, but at the same time, I just would kind of be like, who cares? Who cares, well, really? Although it is a drain on society, putting them, making them in wheelchairs and whatnot is a drain on society. So I guess you want to, not that I'm saying everyone in wheelchairs a drain on society, but you know what I mean? You have to pay more stuff for them. <laughs> well... I'm getting cancelled for what I just said. You God. know what I mean, though. Now you're going to go off about eugenics. I knew this was going to be like a. <laughs> no, a, I mean a segue my uncle's in a wheelchair, but everything is harder. It costs every. It costs well, that, us as a society more. I think that's why actual disabled people are like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Yeah, why? Why do you? Why would be you like want to make your life more difficult? Well, because it's definitely a, a a mental disorder. And so, Doctor First, who did that study, said he saw immediate parallels between BIID and gender identity disorder, in which you know people that you know feel that the gender that they're born with is not their true gender. And he said, you know, same thing with BIID. It's not just about enhancing your appearance, self mutilation. It's deeper. There's a, this is a sense of your core identity. And you well, know, just what let I mean, them off, off with their legs. Then that's what the people want. Off with their legs. Let well, them do I it. Well, I agree with them on it. You know, um, so when looking at the origin of this belief, some people say it's a it's a psychological disorder. It should be in the DSM. You know, and that's and that's that's what it is. Maybe related to a paraphilia. You know, or this you know uh, psychotic desire for self mutilation. Other people are saying that there's a physical source for uh, BIID. And so there's a research team in Zurich who performed brain scans on a handful of men who are amputee wannabes, and they found a reduced cortical thickness in the subject's uh, superior parietal lobes. 
which is the part of the brain responsible for like spatial awareness or body ownership. Okay. So they well, said there's a physical, sense, a, yeah, a physical origin. So what's for, suggested from this is that because of this dysfunction in their right parietal lobe, the sense of unified body image is never formed properly. So they never developed it properly like, you know, other people have, like, you know, normal people have. So for a leg, for example, they can feel that it's there, but it doesn't feel like it should be there. It feels they surplus, it, yeah. extra, like something's wrong. But, you know, it's definitely divisive in the medical community because you got some doctors that are studying this and it's obviously a, a, a relatively new phenomenon to study. But other doctors are like, this isn't a hardwired trait. This isn't physical. You know, there's um, because this, this doctor here, Ray Blanchard from the University of Toronto, said that if amputee identification really stemmed from a, you know, a, a physical uh, ailment in the brain, then there'd be other symptoms just beyond, beyond the desire to amputate. I mean, it'd be difficult to even use the leg in the first place because you, you don't feel like it's, it's supposed to be there. Oh, right. So you would physically neglect it. And stuff yeah, like you that. would well, neglect it. I'm sure it. that happens. I'm sure that happens with some of them who... Well, I think some of these so people that are with it. in a wheelchair anyway, even though you know there's uh, nothing actually yeah. physically wrong with them. They haven't uh, amputated the legs. And Blanchard you know, says that it's unlikely surgery will ever be an option for these people. I can't see society accepting this. I can't see medicine accepting it. Medicine is going to see it as conferring a disability on a patient. It's, you know, it, it, it's different from sex reassignment surgery because becoming a, being a man and becoming a woman is not a disability. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but yet there's some psychi better. psychiatrists who did see, I mean, if you think about it in like the seventies that uh, sex reassignment surgery is basically colluding with a patient's mental disorder. So times have times changed. changed. Yeah. You know, now. And patients and we'll are happier as when they become the opposite sex. It's kind of nearly like biohacking, though, isn't it? I know these people don't feel associated to their limbs, and that's why they want rid of them. But what if you got rid of your leg, and then, yeah, you were like, well, I'm going to get a fucking uh, machine gun put on, my, put on, put on <laughs> that leg. I'm going to get a machine gun put on so I can just shoot anyone. Like accessories. Stump accessories. Well, I don't think that's what these people want. I think these people just want the absence of a limb. Well, I think 200 years from now, it'll all be about stump accessories. Well, that, that's my, that's my uh, theory, my take on it, is, you know, there's a lot of um, conservative voices, definitely in the medical community, like Dr. Blanchard, who feels like the normalization of uh, sex change surgeries was a slippery slope. Like, look, look what, what's happening now. Because you're, you're, basically exacerbating this this person's distorted version of reality and now you get surgeons coming out there like okay we're gonna we're going to help you especially surgeons that probably don't have the ethics and are willing to take money for these type of procedures to the point they're like assisting someone with self-mutilation but that's the thing is you know as the public you know in recent years have become i'd say more amenable to transgendered people not conservatives, I'm not talking Fox News, I'm just talking society in general, became more yes. amenable to people who are, who are trans. People are thinking, like, you know, especially these transabled and BIID sufferers feel that, you know, within the next 10 years or something, there's not going to be as much of a resistance. It's going to be normalized. And you could go to a doctor and get, a, you know, a limb reassignment surgery or limb removal surgery. 
Yeah, I do think it's a great area in in kind of like the medical field. Because if they do have, you know, this lack of cortisone or whatever, cortisol in their brainstem, then there's nothing they can do about that. They're always going to feel that that limb is not supposed to be there. And if, they, if they're going to go and like, I don't know, take a rusty spoon and try and take their leg off with it and it'll endanger their life, then yeah, it's safer taking their leg off. So it is like a, it's a great area, I feel. But, but there's then, probably only like 10 people who suffer from this. If oh, they want there's... their legs off, just let them. Well, I, I agree with you. And I think it's kind of leading towards my vision of society that I, that I want to have happen. Right, okay, here we go. But I can understand that there's, you know, disabled people are like, you're stealing resources from our community. It's, you know, it's disrespectful. They're not drains on society. Despite what I may have said in the past, they are not a drain on society. Yes, <laughs> these people are going to steal their resources of which they don't get enough. But they feel like you're romanticizing your disability. You're fetishizing your disability rather than I'm actually born with this disability and have to learn to live with it. So I can kind of understand the animosity there. But at the same time, to your point, you know, these people have some kind of psychological condition. Um, I'm not sure fully convinced that it's a a physical impairment in the brain, but I I could see them having some psychological condition. So what's wrong with indulging this? What's wrong with this this person living a better life if they're going to pay for it, if they're going to, you know, assume this lifestyle and what leads me to my vision of, uh, of the future. And this is what I want to happen. I want there to be no religion. I want there to be obviously limited government, you know, and people, you know, not, not restricting what you can do with your own freedom. And then what I think is going to happen, I think, you know, with the, the, the term transracial, when they see people in the future, like 200, 300 years in the future, there's no race anymore. Everybody's kind of like this light gray skin color. Everybody kind of, you know, there's no dark people or white people or yellow people or red people. It's everybody kind of has this like grayish blue color. I want to see that. that. I want to see people like, and, and that's the other thing too, like transgendered people, people can can fluctuate their sex they can choose what they want to be yeah people can choose what they want to be at a different at a different time it's like you know what i want to have a vagina for a little while you know i'm gonna switch back to a dick actually i'm gonna have both i'm gonna have both sex organs you know and third i want people to be able to modify their body much like the the body modification we did in the 90s with the stretching out our earlobes or piercings and things like that i think this is the next level Kind of I like what you were saying. I want to cut off my, my stump and put on a machine gun. I want to put on like, you know, a, a, a really cool metal peg leg or something. Like you can get different accessories, different hand attachments, robot arm, you know, hooks. Who knows what you can put on your, put on your body at this point, especially as technology progresses. Yes, we are less meat, more man. Cyborgs. So we are going towards a cyborg community. Sexless. Sure. Let's do it. You know, sexless. <laughs> hey, why are you taking sex away? No, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm saying, you know, no gender. So you can do whatever you right. want oh, right, with right. your sex. Yeah, sex. You're still going to have sex, but you're going to have sex in really bizarre, weird ways with your limb modifications and your <gasps> and your di- different sex organs that you interchange whenever you want to. Can we also have sex like they have it in Demolition Man where you put on the VR helmets and you sit across the room from each other and you just go, ooh, ah, a lot. Can we do you that? You could. But I mean, at that point, that's virtual. I'm saying like actual physical sex you can do with your weird limbs or your dildo yeah, like hands. That you're, yeah, you could be Edward Penis hands and you could do whatever Finally. you want. 
Yeah, with with your attachments, and then not to mention you you know there, there, there's no there's no racial discrimination when everybody's the same purple color. This yeah. is what I see in the future, and then you get all these conservatives that can't really bitch about it anymore because there's nothing well, there to bitch about. There will be about. no con- there'll be no yeah there will be no conservatism. There'll be no liberalism, and we'll there'll be no religion. So you could do whatever the fuck you want, and society and technology can progress. Rapid. Is this what John Lennon was singing about? Possibly. I could see John Lennon wanting to uh, chop off his hand and put like a big dildo hand on there. <laughs> well, no, what, what John Lennon would do is he would get a bigger hand <laughs> so that he could slap his wife more. Scouse <laughs> 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 cun. <laughs> He'd get like a motorized hand, so he just needs to stick his arm out and just slap, slap, slap. Um, I'm so anyway. sorry to everyone I've offended during this episode of my horrible comments. Well, I think I feel the same way with, as, uh, you know, Jerry Springer here. You know, it's like he's, he's Jerry Springer is, is, is shining a spotlight on these, these segments of society that you'd never really even think about. That's true. Yeah, I miss Jerry. I'm so we have to give mad Jerry. props to that man. Rest in power, Jerry Springer. Um, I think his, uh, he's immortalized and I think his influence will be felt for generations. Uh, yeah. People, this episode 892 here, Sick and Wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, uh, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. It's Butt Plug Month on AdamandEve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got a couple phone calls here. People, you can call the Sick and Wrong hotline. Give us a ring. 323-522-4032. Or uh, you can send us an MP3 uh, via the emails at sickandwrongpodcast at uh, gmail.com. So I think last week you made a shout-out to uh, the Twisted Firestarter. Like, hey, what's going on with the with uh, good old TF? I love him. Yeah, I did. So he called in um, with... Uh, where's fire, where's a several phone Marshall calls. Island Tony as well? I've been asking for him and he's not been listening. I don't know. Maybe he's just had a mellow life right now. But we do like to hear from uh, from our callers. So here, here's Twisted Firestarter. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Twisted Firestarter speaking. Um, I'm just bringing in just to say hello, as you mentioned me on the show, your last show. Um, I've sent in two stories for you. Uh, one about a death of a co-worker and one about my holiday in Poland last week, which was eventful, to say the least. That was a re- that's a really long call. So we might end up uh, being on the second show next week. What did he go to Poland recently? Because they're advising you not to go to Poland. Yeah, he went recently. Oh and my god! I, well, I really want to know because I want to go to Poland. I miss it. It's my favorite country in Europe. Uh, Kate, you, you were wondering you know, what, what's going on down in the West Country. Uh, I'll tell you. Fuck all. <laughs> There's nothing going on. Uh, that's exactly why I like it there. Just nice and quiet. Um, what's going on with me? Again, fuck all. Uh, still single, still sexless. Uh, it's actually been three and a half years now since the last time I had sex, which was those two prostitutes I fucked in Amsterdam that I, I sent the story into at the end of 2019. 
uh, if we're not counting whores, it's actually been closer to four years. And uh, I've got to say, I'm... that that's that's impressive. He's he's gone four years without uh, getting laid. He needs to just go up onto like the oh, what do they call them? It's not Mars in the West Country. Into like the hills, they have a special name for hills down in the West Country. But he needs to just go up there and find like a Shetland pony, and there's probably like a hot shepherdess. She's like, she'll look dog rough, man, but I bet she'd be up for it. I think you should go up north. There's all the northern slags. Way easier to get laid up there. Whenever you hear about, like, West Country and Cornwall, all the girls are just gagging for it. Like, I thought all, like, the Cornish babes are just, like, down to fuck. Yeah, I don't know what. Twisted Firestarter, where are you hanging out? You know what you need to do? I was reading about this. You got to put a pear emoji in your name on Instagram. That's what people are doing. That's what kids are doing these days. A to pear, indicate, like, the, like the fruit. Like, okay. Why, and that indicates you're single. Okay. So you what should does a tr- peach indicate? Well, I actually don't even know if it, I don't know if that means anything. I think they're just using well, pear. Probably because peach indicates like pussy or ass. They don't want to associate with that. Yeah. Because if you would do peach and then the eggplant yeah. slash um and the water emoji, emoji or something and then water emoji and that means that's a dick coming i had to explain all this to an old guy once what the what the aubergine emoji meant and i was just like and that's what the water droplets mean and he was like because this is a guy i work with in his 60s did you explain what like, the they... poop emoji means well that just means shit doesn't it yeah but with the eggplant and the peach and oh the, that means uh, anal tonight well yeah. you know what i'll see him soon i'll see him at work so i'll like i'll explain that uh series of events of emojis to him well i've read that they're <laughs> trying to there's this whole trend of putting a pair in your name so you don't have to be on dating apps anymore you can use oh, social media you can use social media and people are like oh you're single and then you could dm each other based on that just send each other danzig memes that's that seems to have worked for me I'm not even that fussed about it anymore. I, I just don't really give a shit. Oh, he's turned a con. Um, yeah, I, he's like Morrissey. He's asexual now. He has beyond become, that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was actually thinking about this the other day, the other day so it's weird, because I hadn't thought about this in so long. But Stephen Fry is probably the most famous asexual of modern times. He went 25 years without a shag. I thought he was gay. Isn't Stephen Fry gay? Yeah, he is gay. But he's like, I'm saying he's so asexual. He went 25 years. But he was also a blumbering mess and has bipolar hmm. i love you stephen fry you know leander has his uh Shocked phone him. number in his in his phone so we were, we were we tried prank calling him one night when he was over here did stephen fry even answer no that's why i think it was a fake number <laughs> you know what i think though i think whenever leander rings someone they just look at the phone and it says leander and they just think oh for fuck's sake I'm not just like hang up prick. <laughs> yeah i've got nothing to say to him friends they, they've all got girlfriends and wives and children and that and as time goes on they just seem to complain about it more and more and i'm starting to think you know what i'm not sure this looks all that great really i'm starting to wonder if maybe i'm the lucky one being on my own i hear you twisted fire starter it's, <laughs> it's yeah <laughs> it's 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 painful believe me um so yeah, let's let's even get to four years. Let's even get to five years. I'm actually viewing it as a bit of a challenge now. No, mate, enough. stop it. <laughs> anyway, there's a twisted fire starter. I'll see you later. <laughs> I admire his honesty, but I want him to get laid. Just go to the go to the north. All those slags up there. I mean, you Fuck could you like go 
He's right next to Cornwaldy. Go out to Devon on a Saturday fucking night at the height of summer and you're going to get a blowy off a fucking blonde-haired chick who looks like she's been to sea for a couple of years, right? Yeah, He'll I don't think fine. it'd be that difficult. I wonder if he just gets instantly friend-zoned because he's, like, so lovable. I think that's probably what happens. Do you guys have uh, Pucker up there? Pucker? Pucker. Uh, pucker. We actually have a brand of pies called Pucker Pies. <laughs> pucker. <laughs> you know, uh, King Rambo didn't only just take you, you just some bought you some fish fingers, right? Some fish fingers? When did somebody buy me fish fingers? I thought you, I thought you had shagged some dude because he bought you fish oh, sticks or something. Oh, I did. No, no. I, I shagged a guy in exchange for a fish finger sandwich. Yeah. So there you go. See, it's not that difficult house. in the north, Twisted Firestar. Just head up there, buy a, buy a, a you know, a, a, a girl a, a fish finger sandwich. As I say, in another co- case of Coinky Dink, I'm currently formulating the recipe for the perfect fish finger sandwich. You know what I'm going to do? This is, I've been thinking about it. I'm going to get a whole breaded, well, fried fish fillet, a whole fried one, like a huge one, like, you know, the size of my forearm. I'm going to put that inside of a baguette. The baguette has to have lots of butter on it, Lerpak butter. And then I'm going to put tartar sauce on that with very, very crisp iceberg lettuce. And I'm going to eat the whole fucking thing. Hmm. I've been dreaming about this sandwich. I've always thought when you wake up the next day after spending the night at your girl's house, that's when you like, you go to the bathroom, you smell your fingers, like I got fish fingers. That's what I thought you were referring to, but actually it's a, it's what you guys call fish sticks. Made by Captain wrong. Birdseye. Do you have Captain Birdseye or is he just a British nonce? Never heard of that before. He's the guy who makes the fish fingers and he looks he looks like a traditional sea captain, but if it came out in the news that Captain Birdseye was not only real, but he was also a nonce, I'd be like, I'm not surprised. Him and Mr. Kipling are probably nonces together. Well, I bet you they both have uh, got some fish fingers in the north. All right, so Twisted <laughs> Firestarter actually calls in here, the second call, about the death of a co-worker. Let's do it. This is the Twisted Firestarter speaking. Uh, I'm ringing in uh, with a story about the death of a co-worker. Um, which isn't, isn't quite the same because I didn't actually know the bloke or ever meet him. But um, I'll tell you the story now and you'll find out all the details. So this was back uh, in 2014 uh, when I was in the army, but this was towards the end of my career. I hadn't signed off yet, but I was sick to fucking death of it and I was coming close to signing off. Um, it was around Easter time, actually, because I, I had a week's leave booked. Um, and then And then I find out some bloke... Uh, in my unit had gotten drunk on a night out and had tried to swim across the river and drowned. Um, and this bloke was being given a military funeral. For... Who the hell yeah. does that? Like, why would you do... Oh, come on. Yeah, I know but... at least three people who died through drowning when they were drunk going across a river. I know yeah, three, people. Oh, yeah, three people. It's freezing in the UK. Why would you do that? Oh, I know. Some people, right? One of the lads, the young lads, was a Glasgow lad. And I'd never played of his band, but I was aware of his band. And he had, like, they reckon he slipped and fell into the Clyde. And, like, because it's so fucking cold, you'd, like, go into, like, instant fucking, like, shock, and he died. But I know somebody who died in the River Eden when they were drunk. It was, like, autumn time, and they were drunk. And, like, the ri- you forget, like, some rivers have really strong fucking currents. And if you get swept and caught up in that and start to panic... That's you. That's you, mate. It's just mental to me, especially... I can understand in the U.S., like in the summer or something, you want to try to cross a river, it's warm. The water's warm. But in the U.K., it's freezing. 
I know already like squaddies uh, to Sophia Starter was a squaddy, so <laughs> I'm not slagging off him, but I am slagging off other squaddies. You don't really have much to become a squaddy. You don't have to have much going on upstairs. So if this guy has decided to go and fucking swim in the river, he doesn't really deserve a military funeral. He deserves to just be forgotten about quietly. <laughs> reason and i was told i have to cancel my leave and take yeah. part in this fucking military funeral oh, which pissed him. me off for this mostly ass. because i never even met the bloke and i'm having to cancel my leave to do something for for him uh but secondly because why the fuck does he deserve a military funeral yeah you know I mean, he, I didn't agree. Die and, he didn't get blown up in afghan he was a fucking drunken burke and tried to he just he just burke. an idiot burke, um, i love that but term. anyway i, I, I was I, they had a go at me shouted at me I probably got punished for moaning uh, and I, I ended up just bending over and letting them do what they want to me. So I cancelled my leave uh, and I was designated as part of... Hasn't that happened to him a couple times in the military? You know who like Twisted Firestarter reminds me of in the army? I imagine he'd be a bit like Blackadder where he's always just fucking complaining. And then he's, <laughs> the generals are coming down and just like get around him. But I just he'd be like Blackadder. <laughs> whatever the group of people is who have the rifles at the end of the funeral I have to like fire uh, a load of rounds into the sky oh, i'd have fired um, into the coffin because you know, <laughs> cowboys <laughs> um and obviously you can't fire you know live rounds into the sky unless you're an american uh, so we all had blanks <laughs> and lo and fucking behold when it comes to the very first round i have to fire i put my rifle into my shoulder and my f i didn't even think you guys are allowed to even hold guns what, Don't English what do you people... think our army does? Who do you I think thought... made your country with guns? Who do you think gave you fucking guns? No, that's how we defended our country. You guys aren't From even allowed us. to hold a gun. Don't you, like, cry or, like, you know, get all clammy? Look at our tiny little country and then tell me who has... who. We've got the SAS, mate. They don't fucking need guns. They'll just come at you with the for your throat with their tongues. Don't you guys them. just run around with your, the bobbies have batons? They don't even have guns. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Not in those days. I imagine a baton would uh, hurt. Like, would really fucking hurt. Because they were made for clobbering your skulls. God, the U.S., you know, our security guards, like our mall cops are wearing guns. They're strapped. Yeah, and they're idiots. <laughs> and look how great that look how great that's working out for us. It, the cunt jams. I couldn't believe it. It had to be me. Because why the fuck wouldn't it be me? Um, and we were supposed to fire. It's got to be awkward. Five or six shots well, or something. And jammed on the yeah, because everyone's shooting and he's just like, fuck, fuck. Trying to like, you know, restart his gun and open it back up and see if it's blocked or something. This would be a, a great comedy sketch if he's like, oh, fuck this. And then he just chucks the gun on the ground and, it, like, yeah, it goes off and it kills, like, the, the mum of the, the general. guy who's oh, yeah, just the, died. <laughs> the mom of the, of the squatty who died. First one. So then for every single shot after that, I just had to put my rifle into my shoulder and just sort of pretend. Sort of go, bang. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think anyone noticed. Uh, if they did, they didn't say anything. Um, and, uh, you know, another annoying thing is, about Tell three us. or four months after that, another fucking Burke drowned in exactly the same way. <laughs> I have no idea if he got a... This is like Darwin's law at this point. I don't think yeah, these people is. deserve to continue living. <laughs> these are the people who protect this country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got a crack military over there. Right. Two funeral as well. Uh, he probably did, but luckily I, I didn't have to do that one. Um, 
But the interesting thing was he, he was actually called Stephen Fry. And I remember seeing oh on Facebook, God. everyone saying, oh, rest in peace, Stephen Fry. And I was really confused until I found out it's not the Stephen Fry I'm thinking of. But anyway, see you later. Wow, that's a weird coincidence. Isn't that weird? Me and Twisted Firestar are on the same, like, equilibrium brain Yeah, you guys are on the same wavelength or something. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> that's weird. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, Twisted Firestarter, we're, we're definitely going to play your, your, your call about Poland. I want to hear about this, yeah. Um, but uh, thanks for ringing in. And yeah, dude, just go to the north. Buy a bird a fish finger sandwich. Have you ever been to Cornwall? I've never actually been to Cornwall. I kind of think, like, I would say let's go to Cornwall, but I've only been there twice, and every time I've gone there, I've been severely disappointed with it. Is it a shithole? Yeah, it's kind of like seaside town after seaside town and lots of cliffs and you just think god i would love to chuck myself off this cliff but back when i ate meat yeah the cornish pasties are unreal they're like the size of your head they're brilliant Hmm. i miss cornish pasty but i don't like the cornish pasty like brits will know what i'm talking about cornish pasties that you can buy in a supermarket or like greg's they have the gray meat inside you don't want that the cornish pasties down south have like fucking brown meat inside that's what you want Ugh, brown versus gray all right, thank you, Twisted Firestar. We've got one more call here. The driver calls in about uh, emergency rooms. Cool. Yo, DNK. This is the driver. Just, uh, shit, been meaning to call in actually a bunch, but getting the chance to right now, just driving home. Uh, I think last time I called, I was talking about the guy that ran over his foot with a forklift. Uh, my yeah. brother had to delete a bunch of pictures. Apparently, somebody got in trouble at the hospital. And uh, that's hilarious that you know, nurses at the hospital or doctors are just taking pictures and posting them in like Discord. I would kind of actually really encourage it if it happened to me. <laughs> I'd be like, "It's okay. You have my permission. Take pictures of it." Because they all send each other letters at Christmas time, telling each other what's happened. Like, my best case this year was this. But I think you could, the hospital could get sued or something if, like, an image went out. Like, let's say you went in there to, uh, did, did you have, like, an ingrown hair on your labia one time? Right. This is a story that I can only tell on the patron. And, like, <laughs> you're discussing my personal matter. And I don't appreciate it. You're so you, talking about my pussy lips. So when you <laughs> had that, like, 100,000 listeners, I don't appreciate it. When you had that pus filled boil on your <laughs> <laughs> no, but but let's say okay, you went in the doctor took a picture. Use of it, it. Hypothet- hypothetically, all right. So this girl called Katie <laughs> might have had an ingrown hair on her pussy lips, but she thought it was more serious because like sometimes you'll go on the internet and the internet will say it's cancer, so you think shit, better get to the doctor then. And yeah, so you'll you'll go to the doctor. Katie went to the doctor, and it was a junior doctor, a young, attractive female junior doctor that Katie saw. And, uh... <laughs> and stuff happened, and you got to go to Patreon to, to, to find out. But what I'm saying is, let's say you went in there, and the picture of your, your pussy with the, with, the, with the boil is Not online. Not my picture, Katie's. A picture of Katie's. Katie's. Yeah. This, this person named Katie. Um, let's say uh, that picture is online. Wouldn't you be upset? Wouldn't you be like, what the fuck are you sticking a picture of my lab? My lab online. Well... I- I personally wouldn't be upset because it's not my labia, but uh, unless you're giving permission, like if I'd have had a gnarly injury with my foot and it was all hanging off in tatters and even I was probably like, oh shit, like that's something I would like to look at on rotten.com. I would hazily in a state be like, 
take all the... I would want pictures, though, so that later on I could show people it at parties well, exactly. and be like, do you want to see what happened to my foot? I would want to post these pictures, not you. I would want to do it because they're my leg or what's, what's left of it. <laughs> I suppose. He was like, oh, shit. Today is like a meeting or something. So he, he was like, I'm not going to get fired for taking pictures of people. Oh, but then uh, <laughs> I figured you would ask if uh, you would uh, have people come in with, shit, with uh, stuff stuck in their ass. So he said probably about uh, once a month somebody will come in the emergency room. And he works like night shift. So he works uh, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And he said about once a month they'll, he'll have somebody come in with uh, something up their ass that he has to help them get out. I think one time he said it was a light bulb in his ass. I never understood. Why would you use a light bulb? Like why, why not stick like... A cucumber, a carrot, a, a table leg. Like, why a light bulb? Like a break. Yeah, it's like one man, one jar. Why? Yeah. Like, don't don't put anything fragile and breakable up your ass. You have a lot of, like, not, like, blood vessels in your asshole as well. So, like, you're just going to piss blood. I mean, we've all seen one man, one jar, right? Like, we know what happens. But is it the shape died? of a light bulb? Is that why they gravitate towards that? Bulbous. But then, I don't know, use a turnip or, like, a beet. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, like something like that that's not going to crack, you know, know, in in your asshole. I would settle with the veg world, definitely. Uh, There's a a story you told me about this guy, he had a shampoo bottle in his ass. (laughs) And uh, it was too embarrassed to go inside with him, so she was waiting outside in the car. And they had to help, uh, they had to help uh, get the shampoo bottle out. Um, that's hilarious. So if I accidentally, quote unquote, shoved the shampoo bottle up my ass and I couldn't get it out, would you drive me to the hospital and go into the emergency room with me or would you oh, stay yeah, outside? Yeah. I'd be going into the emergency room with you and I would be, I would be cry laughing the entire time. <laughs> but then we would have to have a serious talk when we got home about why sh- huge Tresemme shampoo bottles are going up your asshole. All right, but would you use the shampoo after they retrieved it? <laughs> no, I would. Firstly, I don't use Tresemme. My God, <laughs> no, never I've put been, that on my head. I've been to your house. You have expensive shampoo that you don't like me to use a lot of. Like you don't. No, you like you me to measure out small amounts of the shampoo. So you're very frugal. Let's say I took one of your 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 expensive bottles of shampoo, shoved it up my ass. They brought it back out. Would you still use it if it was still like you know three quarters full? <laughs> Oh my god! I had like a little flashback to be like, "This is maybe how the rabbi felt." Because my first thought was, "Yes, I will use it." <laughs> I washed it off. There's nothing wrong with it. I would probably decant it into something else and then throw the bottle away. That's probably what I do because the product is fine, and I don't mind you using my expensive stuff. But you glob it on. You use like ten times the amount of product that you're supposed to use. Because you gotta get, you gotta get it all in. You gotta get no, it all no, in. No, no, no. You don't need that amount. You're a glob. I meant all in your waste. Your anus. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Too crazy, I guess. I mean, um, you said lately uh, there's been like this edible going around uh, DFW that will like just knock people out, and so they'll have to give them like sternum rubs. To wake them up, or they get a a breathing tube down their throat. Jesus! If they don't wake up, just 
because they're just worried that they're just not going to, I don't even know what, not breathe or something. I fucking, I'm, I'm not a fan of edibles. I just, I don't like edibles. I, f- I feel like it's, it's the unknown, the uncertainty that's attached to an edible. Like you don't, you don't know yeah. how that's going to, how you're going to react to it. I can smoke weed and I'm fine. But when you eat like a brownie or a cookie or whatever, it fucks you up. It really does. But could you imagine coming out of your edible coma and you got a fucking breathing apparatus down your lungs? Yeah, the older I've gotten, the way more pickier with weed I am. Like when yeah. I was 19, I would like, I'd be smoking resin joints, fucking smoking skunk joints. I'd smoke like 10 of them. I would have like fucking buckets. You know, I would hot knife. But now I'm like, uh, is this a stevia mix? Because I can't have that. It, it really ups my anxiety. And I can't have edibles either because, yeah, if I will just end up in the fetal position, getting really weird with it. Uh, mentally yeah, I and I just, don't enjoy it. I don't like the buzz either, but, and and you also don't know the potency uh, as, you know, indicated here with all the people showing up in emergency rooms. I imagine doctors must be like, fuck. Another guy the, ODing on a pot brownie. Yeah, this is got to be annoying. epidemic, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, that's all pretty much, man. Um, I got to call in. I got a bunch of shit to call in about. Thank you there, driver. I do love when this guy calls Eddie. He's got some great stories. And he's a relatively newer caller, too. I also must say that uh, he puts up all these amazing food pictures that makes me incredibly jealous. Oh, on the Discord? Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's the thing. That's the thing. We do love when people call, especially new callers, but we do love when people call. Uh, But we can't, like, you know, I, I think recently a listener was just like, have you played my call yet? And I was like, I don't know. We get a lot of calls, so I try to, like, cycle through it, you know? Uh, yeah, and sometimes we play them on the Patreon as well. Yeah, and occasionally we'll play them on Second Show as well. But but we do encourage you to – I will play your call at one point, and we do encourage you to call in, 323-522-4032. And uh, big ups to everybody who is on Patreon, supporting the show on Patreon, keeping this show going. We do we – do, um, really appreciate that and uh and you're the ones you know keeping it sick and wrong uh, you were mentioning on discord so th- that's one thing too people we, ne- we never talk about this but when you sign up for patreon you get access to the discord and there's a, a community of just ne'er-do-wells on there sharing just disgusting <laughs> pictures i think led by kate rambo but you were saying that uh someone posted pictures of an amputee wannabe no, named well, kelly uh- when I was talking, I was saying, oh, is it Kerry's legs about the, the chick who had all the festering boils on her legs? I posted it. I was like, quick, like, who who was that chick? And, like, within 20 seconds, Willowberg was like, no, it's Kelly's legs, and here's the link <laughs> to Not all the Not surprised. I bet your Willowberg has a I love the Discord. You know, but I gave, such a, I gave such a, rig, a vague description. I was like, who is the rank lass who, like was a ballerina who like messed up her legs and Willowberg was like there. Kelly's legs. Kelly's legs. He was, he was like waiting in the wings. He was probably mid wank. You know, it was just like, oh, <laughs> let me just copy that into the Discord. Anyway. Uh, funny you when, should mention that. <laughs> when you sign up for Patreon, you get access to Discord. It's and it's it's amusing to say the least. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Also got some uh, some new tea designs on the uh, sick and wrong yes. uh, tea public store. So go to sick and wrong podcast.com slash shop, click on the picture of the Pope. 
get yourself some merch. Um, and finally here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. So I don't know how many people know this. I didn't know this till I was doing a search. But in 1995, Jerry Springer recorded an album called Dr. Talk for, uh, yeah, for, for a record label called Fiddlefish. Fiddlefish Records. <laughs> <laughs> and it consisted mostly of country covers, except for the title track, Dr. Talk, which is an original written by Jerry Springer. So we're going to end the him. show here. With uh, with Doctor Talk, um, by by the one the only Jerry Springer. Rest in peace, Jerry. You will be missed. We'll be back next week with episode eight ninety three. Till then, take it sleazy. You say things aren't going well. You're halfway to hell. You lost everything that counts. Gone is your spouse and maybe the house. All you haven't lost are pounds. The kids are bawling, creditors calling When did life become this curse? The car won't run, your days seem done Could things ever get any worse? But then there's Oprah, Bill and Sally And Jerry Springer too A little dose of a talk show host You won't seem quite as blue Cause if that's the world or part of it Where madams are sometimes served You'll quit complaining, things could be worse Those calamities could be yours I mean that stuff on there will raise your hair You'll do a double take Like a pretty John with high heels on Out looking for a date Or that big bald-headed woman With a tattoo on her face who swears she was abducted by a man from outer space Now I know your lover left you With who you thought was your best friend And the dog you taught to fetch a ball Just bit you in your rear end But remember that guy on Springer Who cried and fought and swore That last week he talked to Elvis At a Memphis Walmart store but then there's Oprah, Bill and Sally, and Jerry Springer's too. A little dose of a talk show host, you won't seem quite as blue. Cause if that's the world or part of it, where madams are sometimes served, you'll quit complaining things could be worse, those calamities could be yours. Well, the dog bite, it'll heal, and the hurtin', it's just a cut. And the lover who left you, well, it's best that he did. He'll probably wind up on his butt. So give thanks for life, even when it's not the best. You see, there's always worse. You could be a talk show guest. But then there's Oprah, Bill, and Sally, and Jerry Springer, too. A little dose of a talk show host, you won't seem quite as blue. Cause if that's the world or part of it Where madams are sometimes served You'll quit complaining things could be worse Those calamities could be yours But then there's Oprah, Bill and Sally And Jerry Springer too A little dose of a talk show host You won't seem quite as blue Cause if that's the world or part of it Where madams are sometimes served You'll quit complaining things could be worse Those calamities could be yours
a little dose of a talk show host. Hey, guy, they're in the purple. Geico called. They want their caveman back. <laughs> Come say that to my face. Come say that to my face. You ain't never had your butt whooped by a six foot seven big gay dude, for real. Calm down. Get your pride and your body hurt. Uh, this is to the lady in the, in the green. I just want to know what number was bigger, the number when you step on the scale or your body count? Uh, neither. The guy in the purple. The Wiz is making a new episode. You could be the lion. I'll take it. I'm a Leo. It's cool.